Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen we are recording this on December 26th, and I'm in a post-Christmas haze, so I did not have time to come up with a clever intro. It's Mike and Mike go to the movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me as always is a man who had to work today. <laughs> Mike DeCrecio. How'd you do today, Mike? I am suffering that post-Christmas haze with that, that post-work grumpiness that I had to go to work today. Uh, also, we're battling technical difficulties, so this, I think, will just be a peak top, like top 10 of the year episode. Uh, well, not the not the top 10 of the yeah. year episode, but top 10 episodes <laughs> of the year. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in addition to uh, you having to work today, the day after Christmas, like a bunch of Scrooges that made yeah. you work today. Yeah. Uh, in addition to all that, for whatever reason, my Wi-Fi is acting up. Uh, so there is a weird delay on our Skype call uh, or sorry, our Zoom chat. Yeah. You don't want people to know that we use Skype. Uh, and uh, uh, that's probably the issue, actually. It's probably Skype acting up, but uh, oh, my Wi-Fi has been acting weird. My, my Wi-Fi has been acting weird the last day or two, and unfortunately, it uh, is impacting the podcast a little bit, but we're going to power through, right, Mike? That's right. We uh, d don't have enough energy to fix anything because it's the post-Christmas haze, uh, and really nothing. I feel like the, the December 26th to January 2nd don't exist, and we all know it. But uh, capitalism <laughs> yeah. must force us to pretend that it does. Um, so that's what we're just going to go with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we're going to trust uh, Kyle Cullen, our music supervisor slash uh, brilliant editor of the podcast, to uh, make this as workable, uh, like work through it as best as he can, uh, as 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 much as he can do it. Yeah, hopefully it'll be uh, listenable. And if not, oh, well. <laughs> oh, well, I think that's correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think this is probably going to be our last episode of the year too, right, Mike? I think so. Yeah. The next, next thing we got scheduled is, uh, is after is after new year's. So yeah, going, going out with right on top, like always. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so this week's episode is just going to be a general discussions episode of the podcast, talking about some of the various things that we have been watching over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mike D's just been watching a bunch of random stuff. He's not quite in the 2023 catch up mode yet. Uh, that panic that hits him uh, at the end of the year when it's time to cultivate our top 10. Uh, but I very much am in that catch up mode and I've been watching a lot of 2023 stuff. Yes, that's right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still like just kind of scrolling around looking for for new things, working on that discoveries portion of the list, because I think the the uh, the right. top 10 of the year, I've been a good boy this year and I've been putting a lot of movies that I like on a list already. So I think I was like like eight or seven or something like that already like decked out uh, and or, 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 you know slotted in um and then i was uh, you know i i, I basically kind of know what six seven movies i gotta watch uh before we record our top 10 episode so i feel like this year i'm a little more prepared than usual normally by now i've texted you and be like give me 20 movies that i missed uh, but, but you know like I, I, I did a little bit of homework yeah fair enough uh, and i and i have been doing my usual thing where i keep strict track of everything that I watch uh, <laughs> throughout the year. And I have like my running 2023 films list and I rank them all from best to worst and all that stuff. Uh, and it has been a pretty fantastic year for movies. Like I think one of the best 
years uh, of new releases in a very long time. Uh, and I'm excited to dig into that episode when we get to it. But it'll be a few weeks till we do that one. Because, of course, we've got to do our in-person episode next week, which will be a review of Godzilla Minus One with the gang. And uh, pretty excited about that as well. Yes. Yeah, it'll be cool to see the boys get the get the pod family back together and talk about big monsters. Absolutely. Uh, but today we're doing some discussions, talking about all the various things that we're going to get into uh, or that we've been watching these past couple of weeks. So let's do it now. It's time for some discussion. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my body and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're going to talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for some discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. Mike D, you want to kick things off? What have you been watching lately? Yeah, I'll kick us off. Um, just a couple couple of rewatches. Uh, kind of spurred on by the the uh, Coen Brothers episode we did where I was like, it filled in a couple gaps, but then I was just like thinking about like, you know, modern day classics and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch Kill Bill 1 and 2. Haven't watched those in a while. Okay. Uh, uh, and, now, and now I feel like there's a lot more... Um, I get, like I get a lot more having finished season three of the complete works and the yo pod and being like, ah, I understand <laughs> now, uh, you know, like a lot more of the yes. touch points come through for me. So that was, that was a fun, uh, kind of realization, get that little extra layer of appreciation for those movies. Um, and those just rule. And then I also rewatched, uh, tombstone. Cause like, I think one of my friends might've rewatched it or, or one of my friends watched it for the first time this past year or something like that. And he was yeah. like, holy shit, I can't believe how good Tombstone is. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it was finally time for me, but that, 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 uh, lit that fire for me to finally rewatch that. So I, or rewatch it again. Uh, so I rewatched Tombstone and that movie rules. But as far as new stuff that I watched for the first time is, uh, I'll start with, uh, J John Frankenheimer's 1989 dead bang. Which uh, okay now this is a movie that I mentioned to you kind of offhandedly being like oh yeah I heard about this from uh, Justin Liberty on Twitter he was like talking about it it's like a Christmas action movie with Don Johnson sounds pretty cool sounds like something you probably enjoy and then like I think that night you watched it right or like the next night it might have been the next day it was within twenty four hours of us recording that <laughs> or you mentioned it to me um, right that I ended up watching it and um, yeah this is a uh, Christmas action movie. Which is the context that uh, Justin Liberty was talking about it in on Twitter, talking about you know kiss kiss bang bang and the Shane Black of it all, and he was like, "There's this forgotten Frankenheimer movie that uh, is also a Christmas action movie," and I was like, "That sounds cool. I'm gonna check that out." Um, or Long Kiss Goodnight, maybe is what he was uh, talking about. I don't remember. Anyway, um, okay, Long, Long Kiss Goodnight just rewatched recently. Best movie ever. They're just <laughs> just the coolest. Yeah, I haven't watched that in a long time, but I watched it for the first time because of you way back when. Uh, you shared that to me for the first time. Yeah. And that movie rules. And yeah, Dead Bang is uh, about Don Johnson plays this alcoholic uh, LAPD homicide detective, and he's just like a real slime ball, you know, what we would call an evil cop now. But back then he was just like a hardworking guy, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's one of those movies that like you had to stop and think about it and you're like, ah, Maybe not. Yeah. But while you're watching it, it rules. Uh, and it super rules because the plot of the movie is that he is assigned to solve the murder of a, poli of a police officer. And in that investigation, he uncovers this, uh, this neo-Nazi like ring, like this underground neo-Nazi world. Um, and then it just becomes about this kind of like like t two evil forces fighting each other, <laughs> you know, like an abusive uh, of alcoholic cop that like beats up 
perps and all this and womanizes and stuff, but versus taking down a neo-Nazi group. Um, and it kind of rules. It's really, is really sleazy. And the action is great. Cause it's John Frankenheimer and Don Johnson's awesome. Uh, just as this scuzzball guy. So if you're down to watch, um, you know, Don Johnson blow a neo-Nazis, uh, while being a problematic guy, watch it. It's awesome. Save it, save it for next Christmas and watch Dead Bang. Nice. Yeah, uh, I am glad to hear that because uh, that movie sounds incredible. Uh, I might give it a watch pretty soon uh, to kind of vet it for uh, Inferno of Danger. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll uh, play that next Christmas for uh, there <laughs> for the series of the Roxy. We will see what happens. But awesome. So that's Dead Bang from 1989. And uh, my first movie, I like I mentioned before, ton of 2023 movies on my list, but I did uh, manage to sneak in this one. I've, I mean, there's a few older movies that I probably won't mention, but I did want to mention this also from 1989. Uh, and that is James Cameron's the abyss, um, nice. which I watched for the first time back in college. Like I saw it back then when it hit streaming on HBO go for like a month. Uh, and I like scrambled to watch it because it's notoriously a kind of difficult movie to find. Like the DVD has been out of print for years and it very rarely goes on streaming services. So I watched it then really enjoyed it. And now there is a brand new 4k restoration of both the abyss and true lies. And uh, from what I've been seeing on Twitter, the True Lies 4K may not look that great uh, from (laughs) from what I understand. Yeah, I I don't really know what's going on there. But I saw The Abyss in a one night only special engagement at the AMC near my house. And I can tell you the 4K restoration of The Abyss looks incredible, especially on a big screen. Looked really, really terrific. Uh, And so have you seen The Abyss, Mike? I have seen it. And I was trying to remember the context of how I saw it, because like you were talking about that, it's like not really streaming ever and it's. It got this out of print DVD and Blu-ray and stuff. So I don't know. Somebody had it somewhere, uh, whether there was somebody pirated it or something. Uh, but yeah. we watched it on like a friend had like a really fancy TV and speaker setup and stuff. And we watched it there and it rules. So good. Yeah, it's a uh, fantastic Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth, Mr. Antonio. They are an ex-husband and wife who are down in a submarine. And uh, there's this sort of inter international like warfare thing that's starting to take place between the U.S. and Russia, like a second Cuban Missile Crisis uh, sort of situation. Uh, and while they're down there, uh, you know, their submarine collapses and they're down at the bottom of the ocean. They can't get up. And also there's aliens. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the movie rules. Uh, it is the, uh, director's cut that got the 4k restoration. So there was a theatrical version of the bit, the abyss released in uh, 1989. Uh, that got kind of mixed reviews. Like it did okay at the box office and all that kind of stuff. But then like three years later, they released the director's cut, like the abyss special edition, which is like 30 minutes longer. And it, like I was reading about what's not in the theatrical cut that is in the, in the director's cut. And I was like, how did you, how was this a movie without all this stuff? Like yeah. <laughs> there's almost the entire like third act is like completely different in the theatrical cuts. Like everything the aliens do, the, uh, the tidal waves that are about to attack humanity, but then don't, none of that happens in the theatrical cut from what I understand the, uh, and also the actual conflict between Russia and the U S is mostly removed from the theatrical cut, but that's all here in the director's cut. And it looks incredible. Incredible. So, uh, yeah, the abyss, I believe that 4k Blu-ray, I think it might be out digitally already, but, uh, the 4k Blu-ray is going to be out sometime in like March or April. Uh, and that's uh, very exciting. And it's one that like physical media heads have been after for a long time. So it's good that that's finally coming out, but yeah, the abyss 89, go watch it. And then a couple of 2023 releases. I finally caught up with Paul Schrader's master gardener. Uh, I, I don't like it. Uh, don't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to watch it. <laughs> My favorite director, Paul Schrader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mike D's favorite guy, Paul Schrader. You've seen what four Paul Schrader movies? <laughs> Pretty much. It's that in his uh, Taylor Swift Facebook posts, right? <laughs> 
but yeah, Master Gardener uh, stars Joel Edgerton as a gardener, uh, and he takes on an apprentice um, that is like the niece of the woman that he uh, kind of gardens for, played by Sigourney Weaver. And yeah, it's it's kind of like by the numbers, Paul Schrader stuff. He, he has a haunted past. He writes in a journal. You know, he has an inappropriate sexual relationship with uh, the girl, and like it's just all all the stuff that like you, you would expect from a Paul Schrader movie. And I think Joel Edgerton's like he's he's doing something interesting in it, but I'm not sure that it's good. And I I, I don't know. I, the movie didn't work for me. I, I was not a fan of Master Gardener. Uh, I found it to be it's a it's a movie that is both very insane and yet also very boring. Uh, and nothing really that kind of came together for me. So unfortunately, uh, yeah, Paul Schrader uh, missed with this one for me, Master Gardener, which I, which I think, you know, late period Paul Schrader, he occasionally has a huge hit like First Reform that I loved. But, you know, it's he's a relatively hit or miss director these days. I, I think it's fair to say, right? Yeah, that <laughs> sounds right. Um, but yeah, so Master Gardener, it is on Hulu right now if anybody wants to watch it. Uh, it's there. But yeah, finally caught up with that. And then wanted to mention, I'm only going to bring this movie up briefly because I th- think it'll probably get discussed in our top 10 episode uh in a couple of weeks but Hayao Miyazaki is the boy in the heron uh is out in theaters right now Hayao Miyazaki's first film in 10 years his last movie was The Wind Rises which was supposed to be the movie that he retired on and then he retired for a little bit and was like this sucks. I am going to make another movie. Uh, he just can't stop himself. And so The Boy and the Heron has been in the works for uh, many years. It finally got released. Uh, I saw it in the English dub, uh, which includes voices like Christian Bale and Mark Hamill. And uh, the one that's getting the most press is Robert Pattinson, who plays the Heron. Uh, and he's really great in it. He's so good. And yeah, this is a movie that kind of plays like a little bit of a greatest hits of Miyazaki stuff. It's uh, you know a boy that kind of goes on this mystical journey. He's, uh, he's mourning the loss of his mother, but uh, there may be a chance they can bring her back and yeah i really loved it it's it looks incredible look like the animation's beautiful as you would expect from a Hayao miyazaki joint uh i think it's really complex thematic territory it operates in a sort of dream logic that i found really engaging uh and yeah right now it is in my top 10 of the year it's not quite at the top of the list though so there is a chance that it could get pushed out but i'm only i'm gonna stop talking about it now because i'll probably talk about it more at length in our you know top 10 episode what was that um that ear wig in the itch movie was that that wasn't uh i thought that was a miyazaki or is that just a studio ghibli without so that, that that was a miyazaki but it wasn't the miyazaki <laughs> um, oh no awkward uh ear wig and the witch was directed by goro miyazaki uh heo miyazaki's son ah uh, got it <laughs> yeah and uh, so so goro miyazaki has made a couple of movies uh, i've only seen the Earwig and the witch but uh, it's awful <laughs> and from what i've heard his other movies are like not that great uh <laughs> And and weirdly, the boy and the heron also kind of about Heyo's relationship to Goro uh, and their kind of artistic choices and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. So yeah, worth checking out the boy and the heron. But yeah, uh, Heyo Miyazaki had no involvement in Earwig and the Witch, which is like truly one of the worst movies I've seen in the last couple of years. It's it's real bad. Damn, <laughs> devastating words from Mike Smith. Um, all right. <laughs> I guess I guess I'll, uh, along, yeah. What else you been watching, Mike? Um, to continue along the lines, I guess uh, in in your vein of uh, a movie from this year that I'm not sure you, you seem more more certain that uh, the boy and the heron will make your top ten list than I am about this movie making my top ten list. But there's some big potential for it, and that is uh, Gareth Edwards, the creator. 
that came out earlier this year. Okay. And yeah, I don't know. I heard some stuff. I heard like kind of mixed things. And I, I know visually this movie is like, that was the whole thing. Like how, how does this movie cost so little relatively and look better than every other movie that has come out <laughs> um, in the last 10 years or whatever, uh, visual effects wise. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah. that was kind of going, what I was ready going into it. And I, you know, maybe some mixed things like about the story and stuff. So I wasn't sure. And um, yeah, this basically is a, uh, about uh, John David Washington plays this, I guess at the beginning, this like cop or whatever, I'm not really sure, that uh, uh, infiltrates this like sort of terrorist and or insurgency group that um, is fighting for the rights of AI uh, robots to be like full citizens, basically full, you know, participants in the world rather than just like servant robots. And he's this freedom fighter thing. And this is like the first, the opening act and the betrayal, double crosses, things go wrong. And there's basically a potential that his love one that he might have lost in the beginning of that in that opening act you know a cold open pre-credits thing might still be alive and he gets recruited to kind of uh you know army of darkness or army of darkness <laughs> hearts of darkness there we go <laughs> um, <laughs> hearts of darkness style you know uh, go into enemy territory and, and rescue this person or whatever and at the same time he kind of becomes this surrogate father figure for this ai child basically and it's the action's really cool the vi- visually it's beautiful i re- i truly don't understand how this is possible on this budget when everything else we see you know 300 million dollar movie like indiana jones and it just looks like mush i don't know what's (laughs) going on um and this movie looks beautiful and yeah i don't know what happened like i I was kind of like enjoying it for the first part you know it's over two hours long so but i was you know like 210 or whatever it is um so it's kind of like all right i don't know how 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 on board i'm gonna be and then just at a certain point i was just like totally in and i was like so concerned about (laughs) all the characters (laughs) and like crying by the end that i'm like what is did i get tricked what's going on with this movie um so i ended up really liking it and uh i might be talking about it more when we do our top 10 but you know it might be right on the cusp so i'm not sure i got i got a couple more movies to watch before i'll be solidifying that list but uh, better than I heard uh, and had a lot more fun with a creator than I thought. So nice. Yeah, that's the creator. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I also really liked the creator. Um, I saw it. Uh, I I saw it in IMAX. I think I was one of like five people that were at that screening and possibly at the box office in general. Uh, it <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't didn't do super well. But uh, yeah, I really liked it. I know the reaction to it was kind of mixed or whatever. But uh, I thought it looked incredible. I I know people said it was maybe like derivative of other sci-fi films. I think it is, but I think it uses those elements very well. Uh, I think John David Washington's a really good. Uh, protagonist much like he is in tenant <laughs> and, and yeah i found it to be like really engaging fun original sci-fi uh that uh you know fe- felt like you know we we need more of this stuff and i think gareth edwards especially like it was great to see him directing a movie again uh i, I think nobody directs scale the way that he does uh, yeah. i think he like uses visual effects very very well uh and so you see that in his like 2014 godzilla movie and you see that in row one and i think it's especially here uh in the creator so uh yeah i'm glad you liked it mike yeah hell of fun and and like surprise Ma- ma- major air quotes uh, s- strong supporting character role for Sturgill Simpson <laughs> like, oh, yeah. but it, like when he's in this movie and I was like and he's in the movie for like I don't know 10 or 15 minutes and like at minute 14 I was like is that Sturgill Simpson <laughs> and then he's out of the movie I was just like <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> I sort of had that with um, uh, Allison Janney is in this movie. Yes. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I was it was one of those things. It's like, oh, this feels this feels like a weird kind of movie for Allison Janney to be in. I, ca- I can't really explain why. <laughs> yeah. But it just feels off. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's she's just like this, like hard, like stone cold military officer. That's just like doesn't care about anybody's lives. And it's just ruthless. You're like, that's Allison Janney. Like, yeah. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> she's great in it she is she's really good uh that is the creator from 2023 what else you've been watching mike um i also i'll go with another uh new movie from this year that is the, the new hotness on netflix recently and that is leave the world behind which um okay is directed by uh sam esmail who did i think a lot of mr robot or something he's done a couple of things that i haven't seen yeah, i think he was the creator of mr robot i think so yeah i think the showrunner or whatever the creator and this is a po- post a I don't know how to describe this movie. So it stars Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke and Mahershal Ali and, uh, Julie Roberts and Ethan Hawke are this city couple in Manhattan, you know, and it, it starts with them talking or Julie Roberts saying, like, I couldn't sleep last night. I don't know. I didn't know what I felt weird. So I rented us a house out on Long Island on the beach and we're just go, we're going on vacation today. Like it, it starts with her packing bags and she's like, we're leaving right now. And they go to the beach and it's cool. And it, and like weird things start happening. Like, oh, cell phone service starts going out. A, a boat crashes into the beach because like I can't get to the harbor and all this like crazy shit. Um, <laughs> and then Mahershal Ali shows up in the middle of the night with his daughter uh, who explains that he is the one that owns this house and they've rented it from him through like Airbnb or whatever. And they need to spend the night because there's a blackout in the city and uh, we didn't know where else to go. We, this is our house. We, you know, be, can we stay? Right. And it becomes this like tension of strangers, kind of like a double booked Airbnb thing. But there's also this really interesting thing that I think from Julia Roberts that is very cool because I've never seen her play a character like this before granted i haven't seen like all of julia roberts performances but i always think of her as like pretty women right that's like kind of like the ideal the ideal picture of of, uh the platonic version of julia roberts right and she's just like right the complete work season four who's to say who's to say (laughs) and but she's just like so mean and is like a karen basically just like a like basically just being racist that like i don't trust them because they're black and like there's no way this is their house right and the movie like kind of just textually says that at one eventually um but it becomes this whole thing about like the kind of color of society and what what would happen to Americans in 2023 if the internet and the TV and the radio and just all of this interconnectivity we have just vanished in an instant uh, and what would happen. And I think Barack Obama produced this. I think it's based on a novel also, but produced this or something and it's like an advisor. So it's got this kind of air of like from the man who would know what would really happen kind of thing, right? Um, <laughs> and it certainly has that to it. And and uh, But ultimately, I can't tell if I like this movie or not. I watched it, I ended up watching it twice because I watched it by myself. And then like three, four days later, my parents were like, oh, I heard about this movie. We're going to watch it. And I was like, I need to see this a second time. And um, I still don't know what I feel about it. I think I think it is definitely really suspenseful. It has some really interesting things going on. But a lot of it on second rewatch is just like, oh, this is suspenseful because this is like the discordant A24 violins score. <laughs> you know, like it's just like anything would be suspenseful <laughs> with this. Um, not that this is an A24 movie, but uh, stuff. It's got that kind of thing. And it has a lot of, um, I guess, red herrings, I would say, around what's going on. But it also works like narratively within the movie, because imagine if all of a sudden, you know, the Internet and TV, everything goes out and you only know what you and the person in the room with you knows 
uh, and you have no way to find out what else is happening in the world. Anything that is strange would seem connected to you. You're like, well, it's got to be. This has all got to be one thing, right? Um, <laughs> so it makes sense. But yeah. like narratively in a film, when none of that connects and comes together in a coherent story, it just feels weird. <laughs> um, we're like, oh, shit. What, well, what is this happening? What is what is this with the deer? No, we never know what the deer are doing in this movie. What's that? And it's a whole thing with the deer. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a long way to say it's all right. I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it also it also has that weird thing for me, particularly and uh, my family and stuff, being from Long Island, where you know when a movie uh, like overlaps with like not your expertise, but like something you are, are deeply you have knowledge on, and they get a thing wrong, and just like how yeah. frustrating that is. I remember hearing some story and like where I forget there's like a name for this, I think, but somebody was telling a story about they were would watch movies with their mom who was a I think fashion historian or fashion designer or something like that, and they would watch a period piece, and his mom would be like that color purple dye hadn't been invented yet, like you know, like just like weird niche <laughs> shit that nobody would know, but because it overlaps so hard. It just pulls you right out of the movie. And this movie has that because we're from Long Island. They just like make up geography. They're just like, well, we're going out to the island and it's not the Hamptons and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they're just like looking at the Manhattan skyline. And you're like, that's not, you're nowhere. You're in Queens. You haven't made it. <laughs> like you've gone, you've gone 20 miles. Uh, so anyway, it's just had that weird effect also. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Leave the world behind. It's neat, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about this movie. Uh, I have not watched it yet. Uh, I'm not sure if I will. <laughs> It just, it feels like one of those ones that's like, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of like the Craze Around Bird Box a few years ago. 100%. Where it was like a Netflix original with a big star like Sandra Bullock. Like this one has Julia Roberts. And it's like, oh, it's a post-apocalyptic thing. Uh, everybody's kind of agreed that like, it's not that great, but we all watched it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, leave the world behind. It's on Netflix right now if people want to check it out. And then, yeah, I've got, uh, where are you saying, Mike? Yeah, it absolutely, ha Bird Box is like the perfect touchstone. Like in a month, that will nobody will remember this movie existed. And then it'll <laughs> get a sequel like Bird Box did or whatever the hell. Um, but yeah. Right. Bird, Bird Box did have a sequel and I don't think anybody's ever watched it. Uh, I forgot it happened. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be one of, it'll, uh, it'll be one of those things that Netflix will drop uh, and they'll be like, yeah, 900 million people watched or whatever the hell the, the viewership totals they uh, finally right. announced. <laughs> like more people on earth watch this movie you know <laughs> yes exactly all right i've got a few more 2023 movies to get through here first of which want to give a quick shout out to our friends in the adams family uh john adams toby poser zelda adams lulu adams because uh, of course they directed hellbender a few years ago and uh, we loved that movie big fans of it and we had them in the podcast and this year they put out a new movie which got a very small kind of theatrical release through a certain alamo draft house uh, theaters i believe and it's going on Tubi, I think in January, but it's on video on demand right now if anybody wants to watch it. Uh, and it's called Where the Devil Roams. And Where the Devil Roams is this insane, weird horror movie about this kind of traveling family at, that is part of a circus. And they sometimes kill people. And beyond that, I'm not sure I really knew what was happening in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> but I did really enjoy watching it. I think uh, aesthetically it looks really cool and it really draws a lot of influence from uh, like films like Eraserhead. And it really feels like the Adams family kind of going bigger and more ambitious. Uh, and so I really appreciated that, that about it. Uh, I think I, I enjoy Hellbender more. I think Hellbender is a stronger story and a movie that I kind of connect to a little bit more, but where the devil roams is, is really interesting, especially 
if you like the Adams family stuff, it does feel like them kind of pushing themselves like, you know, beyond their limits. Like, okay, we have more money to mess around with now. What's the weirdest shit we can possibly make? And they, they made it, man. They, they really did. They did. (laughs) It's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. So where the devil roams is on VOD right now. If you want to watch that. And I also watched uh, return to soul, uh, which is a movie that uh, got a lot of notice at the end of last year. And I think some people considered it a 2022 movie because it was like, uh, you know, I think the French submission for the Oscars and stuff like that for best international film and stuff. However, it didn't get like a real uh, US release until 2023. And so I'm counting it as a 2023 film. Uh, And this is directed by Davy Chow. And it's about this uh, 25 year old woman who lives in France. Uh, She but she was adopted from Korea. She's like originally from South Korea. She was adopted by French parents and she grew up in France, but she returns to Seoul, South Korea for the first time uh, with the goal to find her birth parents. Uh, And she eventually does find them. But uh, the movie is um, it takes a lot of surprising turns. Like it's it's very, very different than what I was expecting going in. I feel you hear that description like, okay, somebody trying to find their birth parents and you're expecting like, okay, a pretty like solid two hour drama about just reconnecting with your birth parents and stuff. And in fact, the reconnecting with the parents thing, it's always like there. It's in the backdrop of the movie, but it it ends up not really being the focus of the movie. It's really about this like self-destructive woman blows up her life uh, at the drop of a hat multiple times throughout the movie. Uh, And the movie takes place over several years, which I also didn't expect. Like about halfway through, it drops like a five years later title card. And you're like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, And uh, uh, I found it really engaging. It's really, it's really, really terrific. It looks amazing. Uh, The lead performance from Park Ji Min uh, is incredible. I believe it's her only on-screen credit too. Like I don't think she's ever acted before and hasn't acted anything since. And yeah, it's it's really really terrific stuff. So Return to Soul also available on video on demand right now. I think it's also on Mubi if anybody has Mubi. Uh, so yeah, throw it out there. But yeah, have you seen? You haven't seen Return to Soul, right, Nick? I have not. But that sounds really fascinating. I don't know. There's a couple movies just like like family drama stuff that I feel like came out beginning of this year that I, I haven't gotten around to. I'm also thinking of past lives uh, that I, I've like are my list for stuff that I want to watch um, before the top 10 of episode. You know? Nice. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's Return to Soul. And then I do have a movie that uh, I know Mike D has seen and it's one that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It is Extraction 2. Hell yeah. Uh, which uh, is the, <laughs> the sequel to Extraction directed by Sam Hargrave starring Chris Hemsworth as Tyler Rake. And I watched Extraction Uh, I would have watched Extraction 2 sooner because I actually watched Extraction for the first time this year with the plan to watch Extraction 2 after I had seen so many like action heads on Twitter being really positive about it. Uh, So I watched the first Extraction and then Netflix cut off its password sharing. I didn't have Netflix anymore for (laughs) for a few months. (laughs) That's ultimately what happened. And I thought the first Extraction was fine. I enjoyed it. I thought there was a couple of cool sequences, especially the kind of like 10 minute one take shot that they kind of do. And then Extraction 2, I think, is a better movie than Extraction. Uh, uh, Again, plot wise, not sure I care about the plot or any of the characters in this movie. Like, I'm not sure I I really got invested in Tyler Rake's story this time around (laughs) or anything like that. Uh, But the action, pretty cool pretty good stuff and there really is like like I think this is maybe like a three star movie but it's a three and a half star movie for me because of that one insane like 30 minute track like one take uh, sequence which just takes what they did in that first movie and just like amplifies it but you know it's truly like a 25 to 
30 minute sequence uh, that starts with like a prison break. And then it kind of like just goes through like them getting out of there and getting on a train and fighting on the train and d- doing all this kind of cool stuff. And yeah, it's like a 25 minute scene that is done. I mean, it's not obviously it's not actually done entirely one take, but it's made to look like it is. And I think it, it looks really seamless and cool. And uh, all of the action in that is insane and violent and so much fun. Also, Idris Elba's in this movie. And that was pretty fun, too. Yeah. Love when Idris Elba just shows up in a movie. You're yeah. Like, hell yeah. Make, get in this franchise, boy. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, really. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed Extraction 2. I thought it was a really solid action movie. Again, if I cared about the characters at all, I think this would be like an action all timer. Like, I think this would be like an all timer action movie. The action itself is incredible. And then just the characters are paper thin and like are absolutely nothing to the to the movie. Yeah. I, all I remember is I think Nikki or Nick or whatever, the like woman on his squad. Yeah. She's the only one that I was like, she bet you better survive. Right. Uh, but everybody else is just like completely expendable. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so there you go. That's Extraction 2. What else have you been watching, Mike? Um, uh, another movie I watched, uh, Filling in the Gaps, Getting Excited for Ferrari to come out, uh, which I think may be out now. I don't even know because uh, Christmas Day, a lot it of stuff is. comes out. Um, but, yep. And Filling in the Gap on Michael Mann, uh, this is The Insider from 1999. Okay. And Baby the movies you know like what more do you need it's it's just guys it's just dudes to yelling and talking and and talking and yelling um and basically it's a based on a true story uh, which is insane but al pacino plays uh a producer for 60 minutes and it opens with him like with a bag over his head going to meet uh maybe somebody, the leader of Hezbollah or something. Uh, and like, so, you know, he's like mm. a conflict reporter kind of guy and all this stuff while simultaneously, um, Russell Crowe is this like really nerdy chemistry guy gets fired from his job at a cigarette company. And he's like a head of research and yada, yada. Long story short, they end up meeting each other through like some kind of happenstance and Al Pacino being the, you know, hotshot ace reporter. He is consensed that they, that Russell Crowe has a story. Something's going on. And, uh, it's about that. It's two and a half hours long, and it's about that journey of him coaxing Russell Crowe, who just wants to live his private life and doesn't want to be involved. And he signed all these NDAs and all this stuff <laughs> um, into sharing what he knows about the cigarette industry uh, with the world, with 60 Minutes, um, with Christopher Plummer, who plays uh, Mike Wallace from 60 Minutes, into doing this interview and kind of blowing the whistle on what this what they're doing, which made it, it's, it's in 1999, and this, the article is from 1996, but I think all this happened way, like in the 80s, because uh, it's like, didn't we already okay. know all this stuff already? <laughs> like, in my whole life, we've known <laughs> that they're doing all these things. And it was basically about the additives. The, the, the thing is that he uh, was the researcher that developed these additives that they add to cigarettes to make you absorb nicotine faster. Uh, so you become more addicted and more intensely addicted to it and all this stuff. And what's his name? The guy that was the original Dumbledore? Michael Gambon? Oh, uh, Richard Harris. Oh, okay. Maybe it's the second Dumbledore then. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, M- Michael Gambon then. Yeah, Michael Gambon. He's in it and he's like the cigarette executive guy and he's just like the just evil motherfucker. It's awesome. Um, but so then it's about that, that story and then the cigarette industry trying to nail uh, Russell Crowe for violating the secrets and all this stuff. And it just becomes, it's a great, great entry in the they knew all along genre of movies <laughs> um, and assassins maybe and all the threat, death threats and all this stuff. Uh, 
And it's the whole Michael Mann of it all with the people. There's so many shots of guys looking out windows with the landscape reflected back at them in the th- across their face in the in the shot and all this stuff at night looking at the sunrise, sunset and stuff. Uh, and it's just awesome. And it's a great like legal thriller that also burges into some action stuff a little bit. But like, is any of that real kind of thing? And yeah. The, you know, cross off. I, I don't. I don't think I have many left now uh, for Michael Mann. So that's exciting. So um, nice. The, that's the Insider. Nice. I have never seen the Insider and uh, want to watch it uh, very badly. I've heard it's great. Uh, and yeah, that's, I got. I got to fill in some of my Michael Mann gaps too because there's a few movies that uh, on his list that I haven't seen either. Yeah, I haven't seen the Insider. I haven't seen Ali. I haven't seen um, The Keep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have uh, oh, the Keep my, downloaded. And, I'm ready to watch it, but I am afraid to push go. play. Nice. And uh, and I still haven't seen uh, Miami Vice, which uh, I've heard uh, that it has a cult around it for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm very excited for Ferrari, though. I'm going to see that this week, I think. And then, yeah, I got a few uh, more new releases here. Maestro. I watched Maestro, Mike, uh, the new Bradley Cooper film, which is on Netflix. Although I watched it uh, in a theater. We got to play it at the Roxy for about five days before it hit Netflix. Uh, nice. So that was fun. And yeah, Maestro is Bradley Cooper's new film. It's a Leonard Bernstein by epic where bradley cooper uh directs and stars as leonard bernstein and uh carrie mulligan plays uh felicia leonard bernstein's wife and the two of them and it's really about um you know it's a biopic about leonard bernstein uh it's not really about the work that he created uh it's more just about his relationship with his wife over the course of his lifetime uh and i thought it was pretty good I enjoyed it. I li- <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I I think it looks incredible. Uh, the movie uh, is shot by Matthew Lee Batik, uh, the cinematographer who usually shoots Darren Aronofsky's movies and has shot a bunch of stuff. He also shot A Star Is Born for Bradley Cooper. And yeah, I think the movie looks incredible. It starts with uh, this black and white uh, photography that uh, is really well uh, kind of blocked and executed. Uh, and then it kind of transitions into color film as it goes on. And it looks great. It looks really, really good. I think... Uh, I don't know. It just kind of feels like I'm, I, I felt like I was missing something. I feel like, you know, going into it, like I know a little bit about Leonard Bernstein, but I don't know like a whole lot. And I feel like going coming out of the movie, I was like, I feel like I still know about the same amount of stuff that I do about Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> like, I don't I don't feel like I got too much insight into uh, his life and creative process or anything like that. I do think the performances are good. I think Bradley Cooper's good in it. Uh, I think uh, Carrie Mulligan is great in it. Uh, it's just one of those things that's like, uh, you know, it, it just kind of felt like a bio, uh, like a tr- pretty standard biopic, you know, right. uh, and, and really felt like Bradley Cooper reaching for that Oscar. And I don't think it's happening this year. But uh, I, I, Bradley Cooper, to me, feels like he's in the place where Leonardo DiCaprio was like 10 years ago, where it's one of those things where it's like, somebody give this man an Oscar. He's going nuts. Like he's he's going insane. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to make a, a like a still limitless or whatever that movie was called. Make a, <laughs> make a second one. You think Limitless 2 will be the movie that breaks through to the Academy and gets him that Oscar? <laughs> I think that's the key. Yeah. He used to use yeah. 110% uh, of his brain and he'll get one. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, I know there was a Limitless TV show um, like shortly (laughs) after. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I forgot all about that. That's crazy. There was a Limitless TV show and I believe Bradley Cooper made a cameo on the show. Like he popped up in an episode or two. Uh, So he was he was involved. (laughs) He was there. insane uh so the story has continued in other forms um but uh yeah maestro it's pretty good i i did enjoy it it's worth watching it's on netflix right now uh and most importantly of all the movie does end not quite end with this but very close towards the end of the movie it does play rem's it's the end of the world as we know it <laughs> i was 100 uh, percent gonna ask so they talk about the only cultural impact leonard bernstein has had in the late uh 20th century <laughs> 
<laughs> when everyone <laughs> the shouts. Only the only words anybody knows. From it's the end of the world. Yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> and uh, it's he's like driving in a car and it's that part of the song. And it's like, Leonard Bernstein. It's great. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, Maestro is on Netflix now. Uh, I also got a chance to watch Eileen, um, which is a new movie based on a best-selling novel uh, directed by William Oldroyd, uh, starring Thomas McKenzie and Anne Hathaway. Uh, Thomas McKenzie is a girl who works at a juvenile uh, detention center, uh, and Anne Hathaway uh, comes in, and she's like the cool new therapist at the center, and Thomas McKenzie has a crush on her. And Thomas McKenzie's dad is played by Shea Wiggum, who's like a deadbeat alcoholic drunk. Perfect Shea Wiggum character. Great. Love that. Love to see it. Also, they're in Boston and everybody else ha- and everybody has a different Boston accent and they're all bad. Uh, <laughs> but but, uh, but especially Thomas McKenzie's Boston accent, like truly atrocious. One of the worst I've ever heard. It kind of slips in between Boston and German, like from word to word. It's really weird, but it is a pretty solid, like kind of twisty, turny thriller. I think Anne Hathaway is doing really great work here. Uh, and it, yeah, I think uh, the way it develops is it. it turns into something that I did not see coming. It like truly like, like made me like gasp in the theater sitting alone. I watched this like before hours at the Roxy, like, um, you know, before anybody was there and I was sitting alone in the theater watching Eileen and like gasped by myself at like the twist that happens like, like with a third of the movie left to go. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. I enjoyed it. Uh, Eileen, it was in theaters, I think briefly, I'm not sure where it's available to stream, but I think it will be soon. Yeah. That's the one thing I heard about this movie that there's an insane reveal or twist. insane thing happens. And I don't know what it is. And I'm kind of curious. Yeah. I might ask you when we're done recording to, to spoil it for me. Um, Cause I'm very yeah. fascinated. Uh, it was, it was really funny actually. So, uh, I had a friend who, um, was waiting to watch Eileen until she had finished reading the book, but we, we were like kind of getting rid of it at the Roxy in a few days. And she was like kind of getting through the book and she was almost done. And she left work that day to finish the book and then come watch the movie. Uh, but when she came back to watch the movie, um, she still had like 50 pages left of the book to go. And so she hadn't gotten to the twist. And so she got to, she read the book and got all the context for everything with the characters and then got to experience the twist fresh with the audience. Amazing. Uh, and, uh, she, and she enjoyed that experience. She had a good time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Eileen, it's, it's, uh, it's out right now. People should watch it. Uh, what else you got, Mike? I got one more movie, um, and this is okay. from last year. It's a, I think, Netflix original in the U.S., uh, at least, and that is The Big Four, which is a uh, action movie directed by Timo Tejanto, who I talked about with Headshot uh, a week or two, a couple yeah. weeks ago, whatever that was. Um, same guy, same guy that also directed uh, The Night Comes for Us and that one robot right. section in uh, VHS 80 In VHS 94? 94. I can never remember which I- one. What the, and I think what it was 94, one. yeah. Yeah. And this movie is another just awesome Indonesian action movie. Uh, this is about this group of assassins called the Big Four that are adopted brothers and sisters um, with this old guy named Pops that kind of runs them, uh, like runs their crew. Um, and they're sort of set up as a little bit like, not like, not like literally Robin Hood, not that they like steal from the rich and give to the poor kind of thing but like they only do stuff to protect the community right they, the the big opening action sequence is them like going into this orphanage that is revealed to be like harvesting ki- the kids organs for transplants and so they bust in there and kill everybody and free all the kids and it's this whole thing but nobody you know like don't don't reveal our identity wink wink to all the kids and they're like all give the thumbs up and stuff you know it's like one of those kind of things so they're the good guys mm. and then pops is uh also in the beginning of the first act pops's daughter actual daughter biological daughter does not doesn't know about this and she's now been she's graduated from the police academy so right away they're setting up this kind of like will she find out tension thing and then pops is murdered 
by somebody, a masked figure. And uh, the big four are implicated because the daughter comes home and finds them, them right after they have found Pops first. Uh, and it's like, this is all like the first 20 minutes, right? And then it kicks off this whole cat and mouse thing and she's she becomes a jaded homicide detective and all this stuff. And it's really fun. And my only complaint sort of would be it's, it's like two and a half hours long, which may be too long for a movie like this. Okay. Because it opens with that whole, tw- the first 20 minutes is that all that crazy action with the orphanage and this awesome setup. And then it's about two hours or an hour 45 or whatever of kind of cat and mouse mystery stuff, but mixed with like Looney Tunes violence and action and stuff. And, and, it, and it kind of goes into a lull a little bit, I think. There is a lot of action throughout, but in this whole middle section, it's very slapsticky, and the the big four are like the greatest assassins in the world kind of thing. So there's a lot of them like accidentally destroying people, <laughs> like this like kind of thug henchman hold up somebody, and he's like, "No, please!" And the big the main guy is like slapping them, but they're just like blah and dying, and like it's all this crazy. So, I mean, it's funny, it's silly, um, that kind of thing. And then all the big culmination in like the last thirty minutes is just whole extended incredible action scene so the beginning and the end are awesome i think the middle section maybe goes a little too long you know if you maybe shave it down a little bit there would be a little more of a better pacing to it all okay but the the stuff in the middle is very funny i thought you know we like the hung very reminiscent of those early hong kong movies with the sweetheart and the right here hold this and handing somebody a stick of dynamite and kind of like that kind of level of stuff (laughs) um so, but it's it's really fun, and I really think you got to look into this guy for for your uh, your next uh, round of Inferno of Danger because some of the stuff that he's been putting out, and I know you want to get a little more. You like to include some international action in there, but uh, so check out Absolutely. some of his movies. Um, but uh, this on and yeah, this on Netflix. Free, go ahead, go ahead, check it out. It's fun, fun times. Nice, yeah. I uh, I like Timo Johanto. I really liked his VHS ninety four short, and I love The Night Comes for Us. I thought that movie was awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I actually had no idea the Big Four existed. I saw your letterbox logging. And uh, I was like, oh, wait, he had a new movie last year. I had no idea. Uh, So uh, that's exciting. I I hope to watch it soon. Uh, Yeah. And definitely uh, I I would like to do The Night Comes for Us at some point for Inferno Danger. I think that'd be really cool. But we will see what happens there. Putting a pin on that for now. Um, I actually saw. uh, Sorry to cut you off (laughs) because I got to get in with the delay. I actually saw them. uh, uh, Timo Tejanto was retweeting uh, that Pinland Empire guy that does the side by sides um, because he did the uh, on Twitter. It might have been the other one. He has like a martial arts account that does the same thing. I forget what that one's called. But it was um, the big four side by side with the killer by John Wu. And Timo Johanto oh. was like, I had no idea I was doing that. Like he like was like all jet. Like <laughs> I was having his mind blown, like to realize that he like accidentally referenced John Wu in a scene. Um, and then there's a couple other ones, maybe face off, I think, when they are pointing the guns at each other through the wall. You know, and it's like it's got the split screen, basically, okay. of them facing each other. And, yeah. and that happens, too. And he was like, holy shit. And he was like losing his mind all jazzed about it. And so I was like, huh, I've heard about Big Four. I forgot about that movie. And that's that was kind of what spurred it on. Um, so, yeah, glad, glad to spread the word more of Big Four. Nice. All right. There it is. The Big Four, which is on Netflix, right? Yes, correct. Netflix original, at least in the U.S. I don't know how that all works. Okay. Cool. All right. That's the big four. And then I have a, a few more movies to get through here before we can wrap this episode up, I think. First, which uh, is Ennis Men. And this is a movie that uh, I was on my radar earlier this year. And uh, I think we were trying to get it at the Roxy, maybe. And we never ended up being able to. But this is an experimental folk horror film that is available to stream on Hulu right now. I actually like just kind of stumbled upon it on Hulu. And I was like, oh, shit, this is here. I got to catch it. I got to watch this. I, I totally forgot this movie existed. But I'm so glad I did. Uh, this movie is directed by Mark Jenkins. And this is a movie about this woman who is basically just staying at a lighthouse 
and weird shit happens. And uh, she's like, you know, recording these uh, things that are growing and kind of seeing like doing these experiments every day. But you don't really get the true nature of what those experiments are. You're just kind of following her like day to day routine for a long time. And then every once in a while, just like crazy shit happens surrounding her. And I think the sound design in this movie is so cool. And the look of this movie is so cool. And I uh, one of those movies like that, I like um, not to come to us, where the devil roams. Like, I couldn't tell you what really is happening at the movie. But uh, man, I was pretty enraptured with uh, with Ennis Men. It uh, really felt very uh, like oddball and surreal and really like kind of dread inducing. I thought it like did a really good job, like creating an atmosphere that uh, I was really, uh, you know, it was difficult to be in. It's like a 90 minute movie. It's it's quick to watch. And yeah, it's available on Hulu right now. I would say like 95 percent of people won't like it. But if you're the kind of person who likes <laughs> weird experimental horror movies, which I know Mike D, you are, uh, then yes. uh, I, I recommend checking it out. Yeah, I, I've heard this uh, on a couple of horror podcasts and stuff that I listen to in the conversation with things like uh, Skidamarink uh, and and um, yeah. what's the other one? The Outwaters, I think, which is a movie I didn't see that kind of was a, a, what's that, found footage thing that kind of dropped in the middle of this year, uh, but like kind of right. got a lot of buzz and stuff. So yeah, I've heard that like those three movies this year are like all sort of of a piece with each other and they're kind of like weird, uh, uncomfortable vibe <laughs> um, and being yeah. and that being the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it did very much remind me of Skinner Ring for sure. So yeah, and it's men's on Hulu right now. People should watch it. Uh, I also got a chance to watch Saltburn, um, which is the new movie uh, directed by Emerald Fennell, who directed Promising Young Woman a few years ago. And Saltburn is a movie, uh, I don't know, I had seen the trailer for this a few times and I still didn't really feel like I had a grasp of what the movie was about just based on the trailer. Uh, and we played it at the Roxy for two weeks. I was gonna go see it at the theater. Like I had planned to go see it at the theater being like, okay, yeah, it's a new big movie. I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm gonna go watch it. And then one by one, various people I know saw the movie and all of them hated it. Uh, just like <laughs> I truly hated this movie. Uh, my friend Fergie uh, saw it before everyone else and she hated it. Uh, my friends, Mike and Becca, they both saw it and they hated it. And then I, my friend Christina, who is the one I was talking about with um, Eileen, who got surprised by the end of the movie. Uh, she saw it and said like, you know, I think I thought it was okay. I wouldn't recommend anybody see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's the most positive thing I've heard so far. And then it was like the last day that we were showing it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go see Saltburn on this last day. I got to just get it, get it done and over with. And then uh, another friend of mine watched it earlier in the day, like before hours. And uh, she is somebody who I was like, oh, if anybody's going to like this movie, it's probably her. And then I saw her later. and I was like, oh, what'd you think? And she's like, eh, not great. Not great. Damn. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. So I was like all set, ready to go still for that night. And then like, it was, it was at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night and it was like seven 15 in my house. I'm getting ready to go. And my girlfriend's like, do you have to go? And I was like, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's the last showing. I gotta, I gotta go. And she was like, ah, but you know, we can just stay home. And like, I'm going to make hot chocolate and watch the Santa Claus. And I was like, All right, I'm not going to fight you that much on this movie. Everyone I know hates it. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I ended up skipping it in theaters, but I, it turns out Saltburn uh, was streaming on prime like a week later. Uh, it's, it's currently streaming for free on Amazon prime right now. Uh, and so this is a movie about uh, this kid played by Barry Keegan, who's a student at Oxford University, who's kind of an outcast, kind of a weirdo, who, you know, just an awkward, socially awkward kid. Uh, who Barry then becomes Keegan. friends with, uh, yeah, exactly, Barry Keegan, who then becomes friends with uh, this like kind of more popular kid played by Jacob Elordi. And it uh, turns out Jacob Elordi is mega rich, like just just unbelievably wealthy. Uh, and he invites Barry Keegan to stay with him and his family uh, over the Christmas break 
at his estate in Saltburn. And uh, so he goes and uh, shenanigans ensue. Uh, <laughs> is, and so, yeah, it's it's sort of like, you know, a class satire. Uh, Rosamund Pike plays Jacob Lordy's mom and Richard E. Grant plays his dad. And they're both great in the movie. And Jacob, like everybody's good in the movie. It's just it's a movie that fe- it feels very empty. And there's like one comment early on in the movie that like kind of suggests it's so, sort of self-aware about being empty. But then it just is empty. Uh, and it has these like weird twists and turns and provocations that like, I don't know, didn't really do much for me. Uh, and the very last like third of the movie hinges on this twist. I'm going to go ahead and spoil what happens at the end of Saltburn, if that's okay, Mike. Did, is this a movie that you wanted to watch? Um, it is only because I have never seen a more divided response to a movie uh, in recent memory okay. that, I could, that I could think of where either it's like going to win Best Picture or it's literally nothing. Um, and I was like, this makes right. no sense. What is going on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So maybe, maybe I won't spoil the actual like twist, like the surprise at the end. Um, okay. But I will say the twist doesn't land for me um, because it hinges on like showing you information about a character that like you supposedly didn't know already. But the thing is, the second that character walks on screen, you're like, this guy's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> like, this guy, <laughs> like, like this, this guy's going to cause problems. <laughs> Right. And so, yeah, the movie didn't work for me. I think it looks great. Uh, I think some of the performances are very good, uh, but it just ultimately hinges on some really stupid stuff. Uh, It kind of reminded me of Don't Worry, Darling, (laughs) you know, a movie that I thought looked great. I thought maybe brought up some cool ideas, uh, had a couple of good performances in it, um, but uh, ultimately hinges on some really stupid stuff that uh, really drags the movie down. So, yeah, unfortunately, that is Saltburn. Uh, And I'm somebody who Emerald Fennell also directed Promising Young Woman. Um, which I kind of liked, you know, I, I thought promising. I remember feeling at the end of promising young woman, like, I'm not sure if I liked that or not, but I did. I, I, but I think I was ultimately kind of positive on it, but I also wonder like how much of that is just like, it was 2020. It was a new movie that came out. I liked it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> it was like an angry movie in 2020 and we were all pissed and everything. Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. with uh, promising young woman, the same thing, like from what I'm hearing from Saltbird and stuff and sort of what you were talking about, that it sort of like trips over its own feet regarding its like message in point, uh, like kind of gets in its way about that. Um, so I've, I've heard that too, about like with Saltburn and that, like it, it like is supposedly about this like class commentary, but like in a weird way ends up blaming the poor person for stuff or whatever, which I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen it yet. Obviously. Uh, I was like, this is yeah, no, that's right. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, so um, that's sort of why I was like, I guess I got to watch this movie. I got to be in on the discourse, you know? Yeah, I, and it's also weird. I mean, you know, Emerald Fennell is also like, you know, not, not to like attack her character or whatever, but she is also like an ultra rich person. And so it's one of those things where you're watching the movie and it's like, oh, so she's on their side, right? I mean, or like <laughs> this is like her, gra- this is this is like her greatest fear to what's happening to these poor rich people, you know? Like that's right. <laughs> like it's sort of what it sort of feels like a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about this weirdly and I I have come to the conclusion that Emerald Fennell is the greatest beneficiary of COVID. Like the, the person who like got rewarded the most based on what happened in the pandemic because Promising Woman premiered at like Sundance or something in like January 2020. It was supposed to come out in April. Like it was supposed okay. to come out in April 2020 and then obviously got delayed, right? It didn't come out in April. And then it ended up getting pushed to like September, October and ended up and, you know, just released on VOD, ended up becoming like an Oscar player. Like it was an award awards movie suddenly when I when I when if you watch that movie it's like really weird that it was an awards movie and if it was released in April I don't think it would have been you know it'd be but because it was September October 
where because there were so few movies coming out in 2020, it ended up becoming a movie that got a lot of Oscars attention and then Promising Woman ultimately won Emerald Fennell, the adapted screenplay Oscar. Uh, and it kind of gave her a blank check to do whatever she wanted. And Saltburn was the next thing. Right. And I was right. like, oh, man, she might have been the, the person that benefited the most from COVID. happening. <laughs> that's that's my theory as to as to the career trajectory of Emerald Fennell. Yeah. Yeah. I saw um, I, and I don't know if this was the ref if he was specifically re- like referring to Saltburn, but maybe it was Scott Weinberg or somebody tweeted like just today or recently. It was like di- directors yeah. stop writing your own movies. Like <laughs> there's an entire <laughs> other job of people that do this profession professionally. <laughs> Let them do it for you. Yeah. Uh, um, and I was like, huh, interesting. Inter- very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think there are great writer directors, you know, directors who are also who write their own stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't think Emerald Fennell is one of them. I, th- I think she is a very good like she has a very good visual eye. I think this movie looks great. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Saltburn. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Um, it's it's one of those things where even even though everybody I know who had seen it hated it. They all came away being like, but you should probably still watch it. Like they, they all <laughs> said like, you should watch it. So I was like, well, all right. Uh, so I did. And uh, yeah, I think I might've liked it more than a few of them, but I was still like not, not super on board with, uh, with Saltburn, unfortunately. Uh, and then I also saw this past weekend, uh, the, the new and I guess the final movie in the DC extended universe, uh, <laughs> which is, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Aquaman 2 came out this weekend, Mike, and How, uh, it bombed. Uh, how, how much of a bullet did we dodge by not having that be the in-person episode review this year? <laughs> uh, Mike, I am so glad that that is not the movie we're talking about uh, for the in-person <laughs> review. I had that thought watching it. I was like, man, I'm glad that like I didn't force six of my friends to watch this movie and come yeah. to my house and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aquaman 2. Uh, so uh, what's your stance on Aquaman 1, Mike? Are you a fan of the first one? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess like in a, in a platonic sense, but I, have, I haven't thought about that movie <laughs> since it came out uh, other than you know yeah. the James Wan of it all and like Patrick Wilson the absolute Adonis the harp sounds you know sure. like um, the ocean master <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so like other than that I don't care you know yeah uh, I mean I saw Aquaman 1 when it came out like Christmas 2018 or whatever uh, and I was kind of looking forward to it even though I'm not I wasn't big on the DC movies or anything but I love James Wan and I was like hey James Wan's making a new movie I'm in and uh, just yeah was not really a fan of the first Aquaman but I know there are a lot of people who are like it's it's a movie that I think you know many people enjoy as like kind of a cult goofy like Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe and I think it does have that it just didn't work for me then I, I do wonder if I went back to the first one if I would like it more but aquaman 2 also didn't work for me uh not not a fan (laughs) devastating of aquaman 2 uh and i think part of that is just it really feels like you know everybody involved was just like what's the point like what what are we doing here wow that's sort of what it feels like you know at, at a certain point like this movie wasn't intended to be the final film in the dc extended universe but it just kind of became that and i think uh you know at some point in the production or post-production process like i know there was extensive reshoots on it and everything at some point everyone was like you know uh, this is ending we're we're not we're not kind of going out on our own terms or anything like that and everything just feels a little off as a result so this movie does have jason momoa as aqua 
Aquaman, who is good. He's he's fun. And, you know, it brings back Patrick Wilson as Orm, the ocean master. And the movie is very much about like their relationship. Like there's a new threat from uh, Black Manta, who was in the first movie. And uh, Jason Momoa has to break Patrick Wilson out of prison because he's the only person that can help him. Uh, Nicole Kidman's back. Dolph Lundgren's back. And that's fun. You know, and Amber Heard kind of back there. She gets uh, I think there was like theories about like, are they going to like kill her off because of the whole like off screen controversy with her and Johnny Depp and stuff like that? Uh, They don't kill her off, but they do sideline her for most of the movie, which is unfortunate. But, you know, that's what happened. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's it really just felt like, you know, checking off the boxes, doing its thing. And uh, now it's over and we're done with with Aquaman 2 and the DC extended universe as a whole until James Gunn reboots it in two years and then it gets canceled again or whatever like i don't i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah it's such a strange thing like what a failed experiment that whole thing was and yeah. that's unfortunate you know but uh, yeah i mean there were certainly uh there were bright spots in the dce the dceu you know it's it's weird they didn't just call it a dcu from the start they called it the dceu but uh you know there was certainly like james Gunn's the suicide squad i thought was great uh that first shazam movie rules yeah. great uh the first two-thirds of wonder woman i think are really good i think the last third kind of <laughs> falls apart a little bit uh the birds of prey movie like there's there's stuff that i liked quite a bit uh in the dc universe but i think it never really escaped the shadow of Zack snyder uh <laughs> you know the, the uh the snyder element of it all and yeah and, and and honestly actually the snyder cut of justice league one of the better things in the dc universe i would say um psycho um yeah but i I was just thinking about <laughs> just the other day, like just this past weekend, I was thinking about that moment in Shazam one when the first time, is it Billy or whatever the main kid is, jumps off the roof, off a roof and yells Shazam and turns yeah. it like, and that's fucking movies, man. That was awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. And uh, the other, I don't know, whatever, 15 movies never came close to <laughs> capturing that moment. Like. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, especially this past year, especially there were four DC movies uh, and it was Shazam 2, The Flash, Blue Beetle, and now this Aquaman 2. And all of them are like, you know, pretty mediocre to bad. Like they were all like pretty, it's pretty rough. So it was like, and they they were all like released after the announcement that the entire universe was like starting over from scratch. Uh, And I think when when they first announced James Gunn was taking over for like a new DCU or whatever, uh, I think they were kind of being like, well, we might retain some elements from the DCEU and get rid of others and stuff like that. So people were kind of wondering like, well, what's going, what's staying? I do think it's going to be pretty much just like a fresh, fresh reboot at this point. Um, With the exception of like maybe keeping Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, but like otherwise, it just feels like you know what, what's the point? Why, why are we doing any of this? Yeah, what's what's the point? Yeah, but yeah, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. It's out in theaters right now, and uh, yeah, and it bombed. I think it is also a, a sign of like a a sea change happening in consumer tastes and what people want to see at the movie theater and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like it got outgrossed by the Color Purple this past weekend. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and I haven't seen Color Purple. I heard it's pretty good. I want to I want to go see it at some point. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, bad. Uh, I did go to see Poor Things as well, uh, the new film from Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, which, uh, of course, Yorgos Lanthimos, director of The Favorites and The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer, and Dogtooth was his, like, kind of breakout movie, his Greek film, uh, which I watched when I was, like, 17. uh, And, like, my friend, uh, like, when it came out, and my friend of mine had, like, turned me on to it and be like, you want to see some weird shit? And, like, put on Dogtooth. And I was like, this is cool. I I really loved Dogtooth. And uh, for me, like, no Yorgos Lanthimos film has, like, come close to Dogtooth since. 
maybe the lobster, but I, you know, I really liked everything. Like I liked the lobster. I like killing the sacred deer. I like the favorite, but his new film, poor things, I think hits pretty close to dog tooth. Uh, I gotta, I gotta wow. say, uh, it's a, it, this is a, uh, an adaptation of, uh, the book, uh, poor things starring Emma stone, Willem Dafoe, Mark Ruffalo, Rami Youssef, uh, drug Carmichael's in this movie and a few others. But, uh, yeah, Emma stone, um, plays Bella Baxter, who is a woman, who uh, it's it's a very difficult movie to describe. I'm going to try to. But basically, she is like sort of this Frankenstein creation. And basically, there's this woman, Emma Stone's character, who killed herself. Willem Dafoe, and she was pregnant. She killed herself and was pregnant. Willem Dafoe found her body and was able to save the baby, but only by taking the baby's brain and inserting it into Emma Stone's brain. And so now Emma Stone... <laughs> Oh God, see, I'm so scared. <laughs> and, and so now Emma Stone is this, uh, like sort of it's, she's not really either of those people, right? She's like this kind of new Frankenstein creation. And she, the movie starts with her kind of learning about herself. Uh, and you know, it's, it's like kind of get, basically gaining motor function and like learning how society works and stuff. But then very quickly, she also discovers, um, how good sex feels. And it's, and it becomes like a movie about her kind of discovering herself and going on adventures and learning about sexual liberation. And it's really, really funny. It's a very, very funny movie. It's super weird. Emma Stone's incredible in it. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, super funny in this movie, like hilarious, like a uh, Mark Ruffalo, like you've never seen before in, in this movie, uh, which is very fun. And a Willem Dafoe, like you've seen, in every other Willem Dafoe movie. <laughs> uh, just, you know, Will, Willem Dafoe is the Frankenstein doctor. Like, you know exactly what that's going to be like. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and he delivers. It's great. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed Port Things. I think the performances are great. I think the concept is really wild and weird and out there. It's really funny and really sharply written. Uh, the production design is amazing. No, it's it's really good stuff. So yeah, Port Things, uh, worth checking out, Mike. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, you know, Hurt been hearing really great things. Uh, just have, haven't gotten around to it. Hopefully it'll be in theaters when I have time to see it or it will hit VOD before we do our top 10 episodes. So I'll have a chance to watch it. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, that's Poor Things. And then I have one more 2023 movie that I wanted to talk about, Mike. This one is not going to be making my top 10. I don't feel too bad about re referencing it now. Uh, and that is Wonka, uh, the new <laughs> film from director Paul King. Uh, the new film from Paul not King. Not going to make the top 10? Not going to make the 10. Uh, not not going to be even close. Uh, yeah, stars Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka. Paul King directed the, the Paddington movies. Uh, like, he directed Paddington and Paddington 2. I still haven't seen Paddington 2, um, but from what I understand, it's the greatest movie ever made. Uh, that's just from what, I, <laughs> what I've seen online. That's what I've heard. Uh, have you seen Paddington 2 yet, Mike? I have not. No, I haven't seen Paddington 1 either. Um, okay. Uh, I did watch Paddington 1, like, maybe a year ago or so, and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good, and uh, it was, like, getting prepped to watch Paddington 2, and then never got around to it. Uh, one day I will watch Paddington too, but I did watch Wonka and yeah, this is a prequel telling the story of a young Willy Wonka that uh, doesn't really go into any kind of like prequely stuff. It, it is just like, you know, meant to be a pretty fun, treacly movie musical. And this movie is a musical. It's, it's been hiding the fact that it is a musical in the trailers, um, but it is in fact a musical. Uh, like the very first thing that happens in the movie is Willy Wonka singing. Uh, <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's very upfront about it when you actually watch the film. Yeah. I, I think this movie it, like if you like the Paddington movies and, and you have kids, there is probably something for you here. I think I was just not the target audience for this. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of fun. Like it's there's the songs are solid enough. I don't think there is anything like great song wise in the movie. Uh, I think the production design is pretty cool. I think the actual like dance sequences and choreography is pretty fun. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things that like I think if it was somebody else in the lead role 
it might have worked better for me. I think Timothy Chalamet is somebody who I like can't figure out, and I don't know why. <laughs> I just he's somebody who I, I don't dislike him necessarily. I really like him in a couple of things. I think he's great in the French Dispatch. I think he's great in um like uh, as like kind of the annoying boyfriend in Lady Bird and and Little Women. And there was like something else I really liked him in. I'm blanking on what it is now. I haven't um, seen Bones and All yet. That's what it is. Yeah, Bo- Bones and All. He's very good in that. Um, but then other other stuff that I watch him in, I find him kind of flat like dune i don't think he's all that great in and all that kind of stuff but this movie uh you know i I did think he was kind of flat but also he's doing like he's not quite doing gene wilder which i don't want him to i would want him to have his own take on the character not just do a gene wilder impression but he is kind of doing jim carrey it's a weird (laughs) like jim carrey impression that he seems to be doing like like a lot of his dialogue just kind of feels like oh ace ventura should be saying this uh and so it, it feels very feels very weird and i I don't I think he has the wrong energy for the movie or whatever. Um, but there is like some fun, delightful stuff in the movie. Uh, I don't want to like, you know, it, it, it's a very harmless movie that I think kids will really enjoy. <laughs> you know, I think I was just not the target for it, uh, you know, but if you like the Paddingtons, uh, I think this does continue like the kind of visual aesthetic of those movies. Uh, again, not having seen Paddington 2, which I've heard is the greatest thing ever made. Yeah, I just like heard there was a new Wonka but when it was announced, then it was just like, nah, you know, I yeah, do, I mean, what do we need this I, for? I, that was, I mean, that was my reaction too, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. It, it was one of those things like it was Christmas Eve. We went to go see it and uh, me and my girlfriend were like kind of just not doing anything. And uh, my girlfriend's sister uh, wanted to see it and hadn't yet. And we we're like, okay, well, let's all go to the theater, go see Wonka together. And so we did. Uh, and yeah, it, we were all kind of like. That was fine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I like. I was like begrudgingly a little charmed by it, maybe. Uh, but it did not do enough to like melt my heart and uh, make me enjoy it more. <laughs> so Fair. there's that. It's Wonka. Yeah. It did. It did not make your heart grow three sizes that day. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But and I, I did end up watching the first twelve minutes of How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh, on Christmas Eve as well. And then my girlfriend fell asleep, and I turned it off. Uh, <laughs> and How watched something you. else. Actually, I believe I played Final Fantasy 16 for like three hours instead uh, and had a good time. Uh, Perfect. If it was the ori- if it was the original Grinch cartoon, I probably would have watched it. It was the Jim Carrey uh, Grinch, which uh, I'm not crazy about. Uh, <laughs> are you a fan of the Jim Carrey Grinch, Mike? Just out of curiosity. I remember like really loving that movie uh, when I was a little kid yeah. when it came well, out. I, def- I, def- I definitely liked it when it came out when it was when I was like eight or nine years old. Man, that movie rocked. <laughs> that movie slapped. Uh, but I don't remember. I haven't seen it in a really long time, so I don't know. I feel like i'd probably be graded now by uh jim carrey's performance but i don't know i'll let my nostalgia glasses yeah. tell me it's great yeah there you go that's the way to do it um yeah any did you watch any christmas stuff uh over the past uh, couple days mike any any christmas movie traditions or whatever that came up did we watch anything other than die hard uh no i can't think of anything that we watched that was christmasy okay. i mean die hard counts die hard counts. Yeah, i yeah. also watched die hard i'm trying to think what did we watch no that was that was really it yeah uh, yeah, no, I, I watched Die Hard at the Roxy, uh, which is always a great time. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and did watch Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, two weeks earlier for Inferno of Danger, which was always great. I ended up watching a lot of Home Alone, uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, and that was a good time. Home Alone. Very funny movie. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you ever watch, um, March of the Wooden Soldiers, the Laurel and Hardy movie? Yes. Uh, but not in a very, like I, maybe since I was like seven, I watched that at my, uh, Uncle Bob and Aunt Joanne's house because they told me it was really good. And uh, I feel like I liked it at the time, but uh, I haven't seen it in years. That's that's less of a Christmas movie and more of like, isn't it like a it's New a, Year's thing or something? It's, uh, it's th- a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving, yeah. Okay. But so, so uh, yeah, we watch it every Thanksgiving. My mom absolutely hates it. Uh, but my dad is like, really? it's Thanksgiving, we got to watch it. And my dad loves Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, it's become like a <laughs> shtick now that like she yeah. refuses to watch it. Um, so we watch it every Thanksgiving or me and my dad watch it every Thanksgiving. But we also put the like you log on that's on like, I don't know, like CBS or whatever the hell on Christmas morning for like five hours. Yeah. And uh, after the you log thing ended, it just started playing uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers. And we were like twice in one year. We get to watch it. And my mom yeah. was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've never talked to another human being that's watched that movie. So I was just like, really? Let me ask, let me ask Mike Smith. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I uh, I've seen it, uh, but again, not in like twenty five years, maybe. Uh, yeah. Like a, a, it's or a very long it's time, time, at least. It's it's that that weird uncanny valley where it's like when you see like an old picture from like the 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 teens or the twenties or whatever of like kids Halloween costumes. And they're just like, this is the scariest yeah. thing I've ever seen. It's that for a whole movie because it's like the toys in Babe, uh, whatever, in Toyland. And it's like, you know. Babes in uh, Toyland. Yeah. Babes, yeah. They're just in horrifying uh, 1920s rubber masks of the three blind mice and the, the <laughs> you know, all the fairy tale <laughs> stuff. And it's just horrifying. I can't believe it's a real movie. Yeah. Uh, good. I, I should watch it again. Sounds like it's, uh, sounds like I'm due for rewatch on March of the Wooden Soldiers. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I remember it being pretty good. Yeah. I mostly kind of like it. It's more just fun for the yeah. whole, the whole shtick of it all, you know. <laughs> the bit, yeah. It's the a bit, fierce yeah. commitment to the bit in the Discreet Show household. Yeah, correct. Um, but there, you, but there you go. I think that's gonna bring us to the end of this week's episode, Mike. Yeah, we we talked about a lot of stuff for all of our technical. We difficulties. certainly did. We we did a pretty long episode. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, and yeah, we talked about a lot of stuff. There's gonna be more stuff that I'm gonna be cramming in in the next uh, week or so uh, that I still gotta watch, and I'm sure you'll be doing the same, Mike. Um, but uh, yeah, next time you hear from us, uh, we're gonna be doing our in-person review of Godzilla minus one in early January, and uh, yeah, pretty excited about that. Can't wait, man. I've been thinking about that movie f- since I've seen it, and I was like, I gotta go back. When's it VOD? I gotta watch it. Now there's a black and white version yes. coming out and stuff. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, considered, uh, I think it's still playing near me, and I kind of want to go see it again before I leave for uh, New York. So see what happens. I I, I would really enjoy watching it again. It's pretty great. Uh, But Mike D, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Blue Sky. You can also donate to support the show on our Ko-fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. (laughs) You can donate $50 to uh, buy an episode on our Kofi page, 50 bucks, and we'll talk about uh, whatever movie or whatever you want us to watch. So do that on our Kofi page. Um, and if you want merch, you can have that on our Redbubble, which is mikeandmikepods.redbubble.com. Yes, indeed. You can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Like we said, next time you hear from us, we're going to probably take next week off uh, because, you know, holidays new years all that kind of stuff but uh, yeah next time you hear from us early january yeah traveling all that uh but then yeah in-person review of godzilla minus one with the gang i think out of our six gang members uh are confirmed uh so we might be able to get the whole family out here uh which is very fun uh and then soon after It'll be time for the 2023 year in review episode, which uh, is always a gargantuan thing. And in the meantime, the complete works is off until next year, 2024. Uh, But we'll be back in January, A, to figure out 
you know, what season four, or what season four of the podcast is going to be. Uh, but B Michelle, you has got a new Netflix show, uh, that first weekend of January. So, uh, hell we can probably watch it together. Actually, if you're going to be at my house, uh, that's true <laughs> that weekend. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, uh, C potentially, cause I don't know if this is out yet, but apparently Jeff Goldblum is in one of the episodes of what if, or will be in an episode of what if, uh, yes. Yeah. And I think he was in one last season too. Uh, and yeah, I, I think we did not cover it then. Uh, we might have like referenced remember. it in our Thor Ragnarok episode, but uh, yeah, I, I would say since he's not main cast of What If, we don't necessarily need to cover it. But yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be against it. I I, I did watch the first three episodes of the new season uh, so far, and uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. There was a, a Die Hard episode actually, which was really? pretty fun. It's an episode. It's an episode called What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas, uh, and it's a party at Avengers Tower. Sam Rockwell shows up from Iron Man Two, uh, and he's the Hans Gruber, and he starts uh, you know shooting up the place, trying to steal stuff. And Happy Hogan is the John McClane character, uh, and uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. That's fun. Yeah, it was it was a good time. <laughs> Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's why they released all these episodes around that time. Where it's like, we got a Christmas episode. We got to just throw it yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. That is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We will see you on the other side. Yeah.